Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. Oh, it's so good to have you guys back. <laughs> it's so good to be talking to people. <laughs> I was talking to uh, Pastor Max afterwards, and uh, he was like, man, it's so different when you're just talking to the audience, you know, when you're not talking to people. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad you're all here with us today. So my team has been encouraging me to try to go with jokes, although sometimes my jokes fall flat. I know that a lot better when there's people in the room. Because <laughs> when you're talking to the stream, you have no, every joke falls flat because you get zero response. <laughs> but there's so many coronavirus jokes out there, it's almost a pandemic. Oh. And some of you, you're going to have to figure it out, and it'll be two weeks before you figure out if that's funny or not. <laughs> and then the World Health Organization announced that dogs cannot contract COVID-19. So all dogs previously held in quarantine can now be released. And all the dog lovers said, yay. Yeah. To be clear, though, who let the dogs out? <sighs> I know. Today's jokes were not Mary approved. My wife did not sign off on those jokes. So we've been working through our life and death series. And we talked about breath and blood and light uh, you know, today we're going to talk about flesh. How many of you have flesh? How many of you are at war with your flesh? I want to actually start by going back to the passage that um, Pastor Wole and his wife Lade read for us. And uh, he, he has his own church too, out, out west, <laughs> as well as being a doctor, as well as many other things. He's an amazing man. Okay, so now, there's no condemnation. I'm going to go back to Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Context. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Kim talked about that. God gave his only son. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. <clears throat> Here's what I want to get to. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to? Yes. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to? Life. You want life and peace or you want death? I'm hearing, did someone say death? <laughs> I know we're a little rusty here. You know, it's been a while since we've gathered and this whole interaction with each other. 
while we're there, you know, as you go back out into the world, some of you may go eat out this week. Some of you may sit in a, in a restaurant. You know, think about this. The people serving you haven't done that for quite a while. They might be a little rusty. Be very patient with them. If all goes well, they won't dump a pitcher of water on you. When you're waiting in line because everybody decided to go shopping at the same time as you, it's a great time to exercise the fruit of the Spirit and patience. Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. So your sinful nature is your flesh. It's constantly at war with your spirit. We know this. We've talked about this. If you live a flesh-controlled life, it's going to produce death. And if you live a spirit-controlled life, it's going to produce life. You have to decide which life you would like to live. Do you want to live a life that produces life? Or do you want to live a life that produces death? Only you can determine which life you're going to live. Now watch this. Jesus had to become flesh to lead us to life. When he clothed himself with human flesh, he was able to lead us to the place of life. Watch John 1:14 in the Amplified. And the word Christ became flesh. He lived among us. And we actually saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten Son of the Father, the Son who's truly unique, the only one of his kind who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. Now, as we're going to flip back to the verses that they read a little bit earlier in Romans chapter 8 verses 12 to 14. I want to precursor that with this. When Mitch was talking about the Spirit and flowing and the Spirit's blowing, if you're sitting here and you can't connect with the Spirit of God, my question for you is why not? If we're in Christ, if we're alive in Christ, if people are worshiping together, you should be able to tap in and sense the presence of God in your life. But that starts long before you walk into the church building on a Sunday morning. Because, see, every day Christians, Christ's followers, have a relationship with the Creator. Every day you talk with Him. Every day you walk with Him. Every day you spend time in conversation with the Creator. And then the outpouring of that is when we come together, you sense the presence of God. And He's talking to your heart. When you're in worship, you should be receiving downloads from the Holy Spirit. We're lifting up the name of Jesus, but we're also, he reciprocates that back and he speaks to our hearts. It's a great atmosphere for that, for the word to take root and start producing the fruit of the Spirit. Now back to verse 12 to 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, it says you have no obligation to do it for your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. Over and over again in the scriptures, you see, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. It produces death. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. That means we, by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God within us that came as a gift at salvation, right? God lives within us. 
we have his nature now, his spirit living within us, and he tells us, you have to put to death the deeds of the flesh. You have to crucify your flesh is another way it's worded, or you have to mortify, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Another translation. Why? Because if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're children of God. If you live a flesh-driven life, you will die. Everybody wants to hear about that, right? If you don't let your flesh win, which is how we're supposed to live as Christ followers. See, if you're following your flesh, you're not following Christ. Who are you following if you're not following Christ? Are you living as a true child of God? Because if you're a flesh follower, you're self-serving, self-exalting, self-pleasing. You're really following Satan, aren't you? So you can't follow your flesh and call yourself a Christ follower. Dun, dun, dun. Here's the key. You have to understand your identity in Christ, but that's another message. I'm not even going to try to preach that today. When you understand your position as a son or daughter of the king, then you realize the authority that he's given you that you have over the flesh. And now, the spirit of Christ dwelling within you and the new nature that you received when you gave your life to him gives you the power to overcome your flesh and keep it down. And we wrestle with our flesh. We cast down our flesh. But at the end of the day, our flesh is to be dominated by our spirit, not the other way around. And so many people call themselves Christ followers, but they let their flesh dominate them. Jesus conquered his flesh while he was here on earth. This culminated in the Garden of Gethsemane, did it not? From the process of Gethsemane through till crucifixion at the cross, he had to really allow his flesh to be literally crucified. <laughs> he literally had to conquer his flesh while he was here on earth. But he endured the cross so we could be free from sin, and now we have the ability to conquer temptation and sin through what? Through his power that lives within us, which literally led us to freedom from, from death. Now, what does this look like for us? <clears throat> if we believe, what does this look like? I'm glad you asked. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read 1 to 5, I think. I think I just gave them verse 5. Whoops. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You're a Christ follower, right? How many are Christ followers? Any Christ followers in here? If you're a Christ follower, guess what? Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Your life died. We'll get to that in a second in the scriptures. It's dead. You died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed the whole world to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Because how many know there are sinful lurk, er, earthly things lurking within us? What are we supposed to do with them? Put them to death. 
what do you mean? I'm a Christian. I thought we just said we weren't supposed to kill. Yeah, you're supposed to kill the works of the flesh inside of your life. If you kill the works of the flesh, you don't see stuff like that happening. But he lists it. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Uh-oh. We live in a culture that's totally given to sexual immorality. It's all about what I want and how I feel and how to express myself and how I want to f- fulfill my pleasure. I mean, they're making robots and machines to replace humans now because you have sexual immorality gone to seed. Impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. A greedy person's an idolater worshiping the things of this world. So we see that there's some things that are clearly expressed as works of the flesh. You can read this in in Galatians chapter 5 too. It talks about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. But are you so focused on this life that you can't see the realities of heaven? This temporary life is no longer our real life. We got to get this. The future life with Christ is eternal. This current life is but a shadow, a vapor. People say, hey, I want to live my best life now. To be honest, I don't want to live my best life now. This is just a temporary life. I want my best life to be forever in heaven with the king. That goes so countercultural. Your flesh doesn't want to hear that. Your flesh doesn't want to hear sacrifice. Your flesh doesn't want to hear delayed gratification. Good things come to those who? Ay, ay, ay. How many Christians are more concerned with the here and the now? Stop being so short-sighted, so shallow, so shellfish, shellfish. So blind to the reality of the situation. Just because you want to live for now doesn't mean you should. You don't want to live for later doesn't mean you shouldn't. Matthew 26, 41. Even Jesus, when he was here on earth, his team, his disciples that were with him, keep watch and pray so you will not give in to temptation for the spirit's willing but the body's weak. Even the 12 greatly disappointed the king, Jesus, because he needed to stand and pray with them and they slept. Here we are thousands of years later and the call that God has to you and the call that God has to me is, are you gonna repent of your sin? Christians? Are you going to pray? Are you going to call out to him for a move of God in this nation? Are you going to lay your life down? Are you going to sacrifice your flesh and its desires and the things that it wants so that his glory can be revealed to the earth that we live in? Or are we sleeping? Wake up. We got to watch and pray like we've never prayed. Some of you complain more in an average day than you pray in an average day. Did I say that out loud? It's really hard to complain about people that you're praying for. And then we have to ask ourselves this this simple question. Which is actively working in my life? Life or death? Which one am I participating in? Which one am I coming into agreement with? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, Amplified Translation. But we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation in unworthy earthen vessels of human frailty. I love that. The great message of hope is contained in these simple jars of clay. 
<laughs> so that the grandeur and surpassing greatness of the power of, of the power will be shown to be from God, his sufficiency and not from ourselves. We are pressed in every way, hedged in but not crushed, perplexed, unsure of finding a way out but not driven to despair, hunted down and persecuted but not deserted to stand alone, struck down but never destroyed, always carrying around the body of the dying Jesus so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. For we who live are constantly experiencing the threat of being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the resurrection life of Jesus may be evidenced in our mortal body, which is subject to death. So, physical death is actively at work in us, but spiritual life is actively at work in you. There's a principle here. When you die to self, the life of God is released in others. Catch this. The debtor you are to your flesh, the more life that goes out to the world around you. But as Christians, don't we live for others? Isn't it all about others? Isn't it all about serving, loving, helping? You will never do that effectively if your flesh is more powerful than your spirit. We are fragile, broken, and weak. When the life of God flows through us in our fragility, we gain resilience. In our brokenness, we become whole, and in our weakness, he becomes strong. The great paradox of the scripture, the great paradox of the kingdom. It's time for Christ's followers to start developing some resilience. We can't afford to be blown all over the place anymore by new wind of doctrine or emotional crisis after emotional crisis. We cannot allow Satan to win in his targeted attacks on your life, and he's always going to hit you in the areas that you're the weakest. We're not ignorant. We're not unaware of his methods. We have to start framing things in light, not darkness. That's a whole other series that we taught. But see, does this produce life in my life, or is this going to produce darkness in my life? Is this going to produce death? If gossip produces death, why are you going there? Hey, did you hear? Did you know? Silence. Don't let that feed your flesh. What merit comes from feeding your flesh? Some of you are addicted to adrenaline and cortisol. What do you mean? You get angry. You're anger junkies. Some of you are unable to bring your emotions into balance. There's too many things to list. You're here, you're there, you're up, you're down, you're over here. Let's start anchoring our emotions to the cross of Christ. Break the cycle, break the chains, enact the authority. Let's enact the will of God by the authority he's given us here on earth, including in our own life. The Bible in Romans 6, it, it's a great explanation of this war going on between our flesh and our spirit. I'm going to pick up in verse 3, but it says, Or have you forgotten when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. 
So when you get baptized, when you go into the water, you're symbolizing how you died with Christ. When you come up out of the water, it's like you resurrected with him to new life. The thing is, you leave the past sin and the guilt and the shame of the past life behind and it dies in the water and you come up with a fresh start. To be honest, the character kind of annoys me, but there's some good truths in Anne of Green Gables. And I reference this from time to time because she says every day is fresh with no mistakes in it. Doesn't the Bible say that though? His mercies are new when? Every day we get a fresh start with him. Every day we get to reset back to that place with Christ. It's when you allow your flesh to take over that you start to spiral and you don't start your day with him and your flesh starts getting more and more ingrained in its will and its ways, and you get further and further away from truth and what God wants for you. In verse five, since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin, and since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now he lives. He lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves, what? To be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. We repent of sin at salvation, right? You turn from your sinful life. You acknowledge the work of Jesus on the cross. You surrender your life to him. You say, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. You receive forgiveness and mercy. He recreates you. You become a new person. He gives you a fresh start on life. As the new creation, you start living out this Christian life. And part of the Christian journey is you crucify your flesh every day. You lay down the things that you want and you start doing the things that he wants. And the best part is, after a while, there's an alignment that happens where your heart's desires become one with his heart's desires. And then you start enacting the will of God naturally because there's a transformation in your character and we become fully submitted to what God wants for us. I don't know anyone that's perfectly arrived there, but we're all moving in that direction. But see, death to self, it, it, the death produces life. In 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. The more dead you are to the things of this world, the more alive you are to the things of God. The more you die to your flesh, the more in tune you are with your spirit. Oh, pastor, I can't hear God's voice. Sure you can. Turn off your flesh. Stop the voices. So many people have so much conversation and dialogue in their mind. I believe God's talking to them all the time. They just never stop talking long enough to hear what he has to say. Some people process at 220 words a minute. Dear Jesus. 
I have four daughters. I think they all process at 220 words a minute. <laughs> Out loud. <laughs> but it's in the quietness that we're going to hear his voice. That's when we can zone in and tune in. A failure to control the flesh by the power of the Spirit is really denying the power of God. Sounds a lot like we're denying Him. When we crucify the flesh, the life of God flows out. His life produces good fruit. Righteousness and peace are present. See, some people have righteousness but not peace, and others have peace but not righteousness. Both are a result of letting our self-will, that's what I want, self at the center, which resolves around me, die. And our selfless ambition, which it's all about what do I get and what do I deserve, we have to let that die too. You want righteousness, right living, you want peace, you have to get rid of the self-will and the selfish ambition. As often as not, people aren't as focused on your life as much as you think they are. Most of the time, people don't really care what you're wearing. Sometimes you get people that want to gossip and criticize and make fun of to make themselves feel better. But the average person, if you ask them, you know, what did so-and-so wear? They, they don't pay that much attention to it. Some people do, but the average person doesn't. Sometimes we think that everybody's watching us all the time, and sometimes people are watching us, but the truth is I don't think everybody's as focused on me as I think they are sometimes. There's not as, there's, there's eyes watching you, but there's not as many eyes watching you as you think there is. We're legends in our own mind. <laughs> they make TV shows about it, right? With cameras everywhere, and they're watching everything you do, and like, to be honest, I don't think my neighbors watch, they, they, they watch, but they don't watch everything I do. If you don't believe me, when you go shopping, how many people go, oh my gosh, did you get your hair cut? Your friends might notice that, but to be honest, how many strangers notice that you got your hair cut? No, for real. Some of you are like, I haven't got my hair cut. I don't got no hair to cut. <laughs> The better thought is not what other people think about my behavior, but what does God think about my behavior? Is God pleased with my life? Is God pleased with my actions? Is God pleased with my thoughts? We want to please God. We don't want to please man. We're Christ followers. The only one that really matters, the opinion that matters, is Christ's opinion. I'm right. It's truth. Hey, guys, let's stand up together. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. You know, as we come to the table to celebrate the Lord's death, you know, take a moment and think about it. Even in our interaction as husband and wife, how many things do I do that are flesh-driven, not spirit-driven? Or how many things do I do that are not 
because God said do them, just because I feel that that's what I want or desire, right? And, and what happens is, in every relationship, we want to be spirit-led. Husbands and wives, parents and children, friends, family, relationships. And sometimes that gets really messed up. It gets messed up at the marriage level, it gets messed up at the marriage and family level, the kids, it gets messed up in relationships, it gets messed up with your coworkers. But a lot of times, flesh gets in the way of what God's trying to accomplish on one side or the other, or sometimes both. We have to commit to lay our flesh down. We have to commit to live a crucified life. So Father, as we have the bread in our hand, I thank you that we're really dead people, dead to our self-will, dead to our selfish ambition, dead to our lust and our wants and our desires, that the works of the flesh are not going to come to the surface in our life. They're going to die daily because we want to develop the fruit of the Spirit. We want to develop your way, the higher way. And Lord, help us to look at the realities of heaven and really to live for the future life with you that's eternal. And the temporary pain that we endure in this life is nothing compared to the glory that we'll have with you in the next. Lord, everyone that's in the struggle right now, their flesh has given them a hard time. Lord, sometimes they don't even want to get out of bed. I ask you to quicken their body as they surrender their life to you. And as each one repents for their selfishness, each one repents, Lord, each person lays down the works of the flesh. I thank you that the power of God is being revealed to them, that the glory of the Lord is being revealed to them, that your voice is shining through brightly in the name of Jesus. Now today as we receive the cup, and you know last week Pastor Max, he talked about hope, and he also talked about um, peace, and he broke down in the Hebrew what that actually means when we actually have peace from God. And he had said that the true peace in our spirit that God gives us is when there's nothing broken, nothing lacking, nothing missing. And when we surrender to the spirit and we receive life and peace, and that means in the spirit that there's nothing broken, nothing missing. And there's also a peace that comes that passes all understanding, the Bible tells us, but how does that peace that passes all understanding come to us? It's not when we need to remember as Christians, the peace that passes all understanding that is going to attract attention, that when people look at you, they're going to be, and when you are walking through life and it passes all understanding, how could you have peace? It's, it's in the middle of the storm. It's that time that when you have peace, you shouldn't in the natural have peace. But it's because you've surrendered to your spirit and you've surrendered it and you've given it over to the Lord that you can be like Jesus and go, so to speak, to the back of the boat and sleep like Jesus did. And then you can like 
I've said to the Lord before, I'm like, okay, God, it's time for us to switch places. I'm going to go take a nap in the back of the boat, and it's time for you to get up and do your thing. You need to wake up now, because I'm in the middle of my storm, and it's time for you to get up. Do what only you can do. Get up. And now I'm going to take a nap now. Let's trade places. And it's in that storm that I'm going to go and have peace that passes all understanding in Jesus. Because I'm surrendering to that, that spirit that will give me life, that will give me peace. So I want to encourage you this morning that if you are going through a storm, that you go to Jesus and you say to him, Jesus, I want to switch places with you. Jesus, let me go to sleep in the back of the boat. And you get up and you be God and do what you can do. And only you can do it. And I will remain in your peace. And God says, I believe it's in 2 Timothy 2.13, he says, I am working in you to give you the power and the desire to do what pleases me. He is working in each and every one of us to give you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. Obedience pleases him. Surrendering to the spirit that gives you life pleases him. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we receive the cup, we remember that we can have the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that gives us nothing broken, nothing missing. And that's because, Lord, in all things, even in the storm, you can and you do and you have working out all things for our good in all things god i thank you lord that right now that we can remember that we can go to you and we can say it's time for me to rest in you lord it's time for me to rest in the spirit it's time for me to release any turmoil any torment in my mind lord god and give that all to you and exchange it for peace. It's time for me to go to the back of the boat and exchange places with you and take my rest. And Lord Jesus, it's your time to move. It's your time to do what only you can do. And I thank you, God, that you are the one who gives me life as I exchange my flesh for that is in the spirit, Lord God. Thank you. For your brokenness in the flesh that gave me life in my spirit. In Jesus' name. So I'll encourage all of you this week, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to his voice. You should be praying about Abba next week. And as we go today, I'll pray this over you, Galatians 2.20. Father, I thank you that as our old self has been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body each day by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, as we go forth in your name, I thank you that we can live a surrendered life, crucifying the flesh daily, taking on the nature of Christ, 
truly exercising sonship and daughtership as your children here on earth, representing the kingdom of God everywhere we go, operating in the power of the Spirit in every arena of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.